All right, Pete. We hey. have another uh, coffee with the superintendent. Well, at least water. We got yep, water going got on our this time. And the first question that has to be is, where's the mask? You know, this has been a, it's been a great week at the district office um, because uh, we found out uh, late last Friday that Labor and Industries had come out with some new regulations. And while masking is still required for anyone, adults, kids, vaccinated, not vaccinated, in, inside a school building. Okay. Um, if you are not in a school building, meaning there's no kids around, and you are vaccinated, then masks are optional, social distancing is optional. So, yeah, um, at least in the, in the manner of inside this room with two people, uh, yeah, we're, we're masked, maskless today. And it's, it's most likely, and I can't, you know, I can't say yeah, for 100%. Much on the yeah. Um, you know, what we're working on next is to make, get the board meetings in the same manner. Oh, okay. Um, because again, it's a matter of a board meeting typically is not a student event. It's in a part of the, although it's technically hooked to the high school, it's not, it's actually going way back 10 years. When they designed that, that was not for students. It was for support services and things like that where kids don't have classes there. You right. have a separate yeah. entrance. So assuming that I get the okay from the state, then uh, yeah, our board meetings will be the same way. And I, I'm, looking forward to it because after 16 months it's it's gotten a bit tedious yes very much tedious uh so just making sure if i'm a parent i walk through the high school front door go into the office i still need a mask still need a mask when you come in the front door of the high school okay still need a mask when you're watching a game or doing any of that stuff or even at at graduation, although at graduation even, we're going to have a vaccinated area for folks. Okay. Where okay. they can meet with their, or be with their family and friends. And if you're vaccinated, you're right there and you're, you're good to go. Going to ask a controversial question. I can, you can try. Uh, are you going to check? We're going to do our best to make sure that we do everything possible within our power to do the best we can. Okay. So, in other words, you're going to follow the letter of the law. We're going to follow the letter of the law and make sure that we offer people every option that they could possibly need. All right. So, yeah, I know that was kind of a, a mean one to throw there, but yeah, I, I definitely, I know the governor's made the distinction and yep. the major uh, venues. So, well, great. Yeah. One, one more step forward. Well, and and I have to say, I mean, we've been we've been very fortunate here. Um, yes, we've had to do all of these things, mm -hmm. but I also we don't have a bunch of kids getting sick. We don't have a bunch of teachers getting sick. That's the bottom line for me. Do you think um, that's because of population or just? No, because I can, I can say honestly, there was a point in time when Benton City proper, when you looked at the Department of Health, we had a higher rate. Uh, in the community than some of the bigger communities. Oh, okay. But yet our kids, um, our, at least our kids here, you know, again, knock on wood, <laughs> our kids here are not getting, contracting, spreading nearly as, as much as kids in other populations in other okay. cities. All right. So that's a good thing. Excellent. Um, your school board meeting, <laughs> <laughs> I've watched, what, a year and a half of them now, and that one had to have the most information packed into the tightest time and it was still two hours long and 
Uh, yep. Quite honestly, I had I actually listened to the recording and walked away and came back and <laughs> listened to yep. some more. It was definitely a, a two three parter. Uh, highly recommend people go out listen to that one because a lot of a lot of information. Uh, we'll probably t ask a couple of questions here, but yep. really, they should go out. Well, and, and quite frankly, and I've told the board this at, at different times over the course of my three years, it really was too much. It was too much information for one meeting, and quite frankly, the, the bottom line was um, all of the things were connected, and it was very difficult to get to the end, which <laughs> was really to talk about our recovery plan and what we, how we want to help kids get back into school and help them get back caught up academically. But there were so many other things that predicated that that had right. to be explained. And, and the board members themselves, quite frankly, they had asked for some of those things to be explained. Right, right. And, and it was kind of like, well, we, I don't like talking, especially for an hour straight, but we had to get through it. Yep. And uh, I, I gave them kudos for, for making it through. I'm really lucky. <laughs> we walked in at 6 o'clock, and it was 77 degrees in the boardroom because Ooh, the, the, man. the heat was on. And I knew for a fact if it stayed that temperature, we were gonna, I was going to lose some people. <laughs> so we were able to, I was able to not destroy the thermostat and still turn it down. By the end, it was a, a pleasant 67, and no one oh, had fallen asleep, nice. including me. So Nice. I do want to jump back real quick yeah. before we go into the recovery plan and some of the highlights of that. This fall, have you had any clues or any hints coming from the state of what fall's going to look like for kids in the buildings themselves? We have. Okay. The Washington State actually, believe it or not, they were the first state to give out guidance for summer school and oh, for, good. for fall. Um, I just found that out that we were first. I just figured we were kind of following the herd, but no, we were first. Um, and then it got interesting yesterday in my superintendent's meeting. So first off, about two weeks ago, we received a note that said, okay, you're going to need to be masked still summer and to start the school year. And then I saw that they had made a couple, couple very subtle changes, and it was around lunches in particular, where it was we, we still want you to have six feet, uh, six feet of distance, social distancing between kids as they're eating, eating as long as you're able to. Oh. And we kind of looked at each other when we read that <laughs> and went, wait a minute, that's not what it said last time. And... Uh, you know, I, I, I get, in, you know, conspiracy theory or what's going on. What are they really telling us? And well, I mean, really what they what they're the bottom line is they want kids back in school and they are not going to allow a school district, not Benton City, because we don't have this same problem. But there are some school districts where they can't physically fit all of their kids that into a lunchroom sense. at one time. Um we rotate lunches, that helps, but I mean, when you talk about a, some of the big 4A high schools of 2,000, 3,000 kids, it's almost impossible to do six feet and get them in. Quite frankly, you know, as for August and September, the state is saying we're more interested in getting kids in than we are about ensuring six feet at lunch. Okay. Now, for us, that really hasn't changed. We can be business as usual the way we have done things. What I heard yesterday was... All these things are in place and be ready to hear about some positive changes 
in the coming weeks. Okay. And definitely in August. Okay. I think a lot of it has to do that the, I, I don't know how many people pay attention to this stuff. I have to watch the DOH website, you know, every day just to, to keep up. But <laughs> uh, yeah. Another thing they didn't tell me I was going to get to do as a superintendent was be involved with the Department of Health. But um, that 70% vaccination number that is really big out there in the nation because they keep telling us. Uh, about the states and who's getting to 70 percent and then the the restrictions quite frankly are just dropping down yep yep i think there's and this please this is me personally my interpretation of what i've watched over the year and a half i think if we hit a 70 percent mark uh vaccination rate july early august i think there would be a change prior to school coming back i honestly I can't speak to fall, meaning as we get in October, November, because the biggest problem, and it's going to be a problem, I'll tell you that up front, when regular flu season comes back, and it will, Yep. Yep. all of a sudden we have a problem because the symptoms are the same, and then it's there's, there's more questions and, and needing more answers at that point. But I can honestly see... Um, them making some reductions in our requirements as the school year progresses, as long as we can keep things under control. Okay. Um, you know, our one of the things you can look up that's it's it's fascinating to me is for the first time on record, Washington State did not have a death by flu this year. Wow. Okay. Well, no kids in school. At least not a lot of kids in school. We were fortunate. We had our elementary kids back. Not as much stuff, and we had masking going on. So I'm not going to say one or the other caused any, anything. I'm just saying the flu season wasn't bad. Now they're projecting because of the, the lack of immunity to flu because nobody had to worry about it last right, year. Right, right. Are we going to have an extra bad one? Well, I don't know. Flip a coin on that. But um, all things being equal, I think if we are able to hit 70% in the state sometime mid Summer, I think we have a very good chance of seeing some reduction. Whether that means the mask will be the last to go, right, just, right? Just to say it up front, the mask will be the last thing to go. Even if they they say no, we can we can reduce to standard distance between people. Yes, we can turn, uh, we can quit opening the windows in the middle of winter to get more airflow. One, all that stuff will go away before masks do. Yeah, definitely, 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 and. You don't have to respond to this one, yeah. but there I've already heard rumors that mass may be a, a seasonal thing at, going forward. Could be. And ugh. oh, oh, totally. Um, so, and it, you know, I, I I'm a creature of habit, I guess. In the last year and a half, you know, I it it took me three days before I could walk from my office to the break room to get another cup of coffee without putting my mask on. It was it's just automatic. <laughs> I still, when I go into Walmart or I go into Fred Meyer or I go to the mall or wherever, I'm still wearing a mask. That's that's still my personal comfort level. But that's, right. you know what? I think once once we get past that, and and it, obviously today you can see that, you know, we're making headway. Right. right. Right, wrong, and different. doesn't matter what's been done in the past. As of right now today, things are getting better. Yes. And I just believe yes. they will continue to get better. Ah, my turn to knock on wood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, moving to the recovery plan. Yeah. And you brought one thing up that 
Uh, I wasn't thinking about summer school. Yeah. You mentioned during the um, board meeting the number of people already signed up for summer mm -hmm. school. Uh, can you tell me a little more about that? Well, absolutely. I mean, as of Monday when I went to the board, we had 155 kids in grades preschool through five. And that's our biggest number. Okay. Um, our biggest service area. Um, yeah, we had 155 kids signed up as of Monday at the board meeting. As of this morning, we have 175 kids signed up, K through 5. Um, what, is that, what does that tell me? Well, first off, it tells me that parents want their kids in school. Yep. Okay. Tells me that kids want to be here to some degree, at least at that age level, because they realize they haven't been here, they haven't been social uh, with everyone else for quite a long time. I mean, even when we were here in a hybrid starting in, in the middle of October, it was half at a time that we were seeing. Right. So this yeah, is everybody definitely. back at once. So kids want that. Um, parents want that. I mean, let's face it. Um, you know, my kids were in college, so they, they got quarantined in their, in their college homes, their college cities. <laughs> I didn't see them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, for folks who've had kids home for, you know, the better part, over a year, in most cases for all day, if not most of the day, it's an opportunity for parents to say, you know what, you've got this opportunity to go and do something this summer. It's six weeks instead of three weeks. Okay. Uh, it's longer. It's going, instead of going from uh, just simply 8.30 to 11.30 and giving them lunch and getting up, and we're staying until at least 1 o'clock. We're still going to offer lunch on campus. We'll still have our, our, excuse me, not our deliveries. We'll have our pickups available like we've always had in the past. Okay. Really, we're trying, this is the first step in trying to make up for some lost time. And at the same time, you know, we're offering some programs that haven't been a part of summer school. We've talked about often, what are the academic impacts for kids going to be? And we know they're going to be impacted. Don't get us wrong. I was talking with several PE teachers. Our kids have forgotten how to play tag <laughs> or or kickball and do stuff in a team environment are not counting our high school kids that, right right but i mean our young kids for a third grader they've been out of school as much as they've been in, in school since they were in kindergarten that's true and so they forget some of this stuff and, and i told pe teachers yeah we're going to do pe during summer school so we are having pe yeah we're going to have a pe in the elementary program okay cool and kids and not so we can run the mile for time and and Th learn how to th throw a baseball. We're gonna we're gonna have fun. Okay. I mean, that's the bottom line. I said I don't care what you do. Kids are running around. Kids are having fun. They're socializing. Um, you know, those ages are when you first learn your first part of conflict mediation. How do you get? I was safe. No, you were out. And now there's a fight going <laughs> on. Well, it's just a verbal fight. You know, right. how do you get past that stuff if you don't experience it? You don't learn those lessons. Those life lessons. Okay, you are. Obviously, it sounds in person. Is most of the classes going to be in-person format in the, the elementary school? So you're going to have a teacher very much yep. present and involved? Yeah. I mean, we're going to continue having an online presence most likely forever. I mean, it's that is one thing that's changed school districts across the state. Online is no longer a thing that you can just say, we don't want to do it. It's okay. now required. You have to have some type of distance learning for folks who don't physically want to come back to school. Okay. Great. Okay. 
But the rest of them are in person, and that's again, that's I think some of the real the real draw is the fact this is we're going to run a couple buses, we're going to have kids sitting in their desks in a real classroom with a live teacher, going out and kicking a real <laughs> soccer ball, and right, right, doing that kind of stuff. It's it really is meant to be an extension of of what we're enjoying right now, which is a fair amount, not 100%, but a fair amount of normalcy. Let's keep that rolling. With the idea that parents, they still want to do stuff. We're gonna, every, day, every weekend's a three-day weekend. We're going to go Monday through Thursday, give you three days off, and go have fun on the weekends and, and give your kids a chance to come back. You go back to work, kids come back to school for th- four days, and do it all over again. Well, if we're going to have in-person, and we're going to have teachers and everything, how is this going to be funded? The biggest, the biggest funding block that we have right now um, is, is the ESSER program. The, that's the, the recovery dollars, the, the school, reco- school and recovery system. You know, it's a big, long so acronym. The church's stim, or the church's, the school's uh, stimulation, it's checks. The, yeah, stim- stimulus dollars from the federal government um, is, is our, this is our first shot at what can we do to give kids more and more opportunities to catch up. Okay. I think, and this is one of the mis- misconceptions I think that's out there is that, well, we were gone for a year, year and a half, and uh, we'll give them a summer school and give them some tutoring, and then everything's going to be back to normal. It's not going to be back to normal. I mean, we, we've seen um, some, some database survey or database studies and other countries as they return back to school, especially again for younger kids, you take a year of first grade or second grade away from a kid, and that's a huge foundation. Right, right. Um, put it, again, trying to put it in perspective. You know, let's say you came to school as a kindergartner and you missed your first grade year, and then you missed half of your second grade year. Wow, how do you make up that much foundational material? It's not going to be. Uh, as good a job as our teachers did of, of giving the curriculum, the other life lessons and things like that are not going to be made up in a summer or two summers. We're looking a minimum three to five years to bring, especially our younger kids back. I think our high school kids, um, I think most of them are going to be okay with the credit-bearing courses. We have a lot of different ways for kids to get credit. I think they're going to recover quicker, and quite frankly, they had that in-person foundation to start with. Right. Okay. It's going to be our younger kids, our kindergarten, first, second grade, where we, we've got some work to do. Okay. Now, you said three to five years. Is the stimulus money going to be able to be planned that far out, or it's we get the money now, and you're, you're just going to, the school district's just got to pay for it later. It's on their dime. Yeah. No. Um, one of the requirements that we're going through right now, and you saw it, uh, if you made it to the end of the school board <laughs> meeting, you heard that we approved the, the, our initial preliminary draft of a recovery plan. And basically what it was was six pages of questions that, that I answered and, and got input from our administrators and our, our RTI team, which handles interventions and things like that. Um, basically what it was asking is, what are you doing? to help kids that's above and beyond what you would normally do in a school. What are the programs and assessments you're gonna use to determine if we have 100 
105 second graders, for instance, how do you know which one of them really needs extra math help versus extra English help? And, and how do you determine all that stuff? So what we have to do is we have to uh, show a plan that, yes, the plan itself is for this, this coming year, but it's really a three-year plan because that's, the funding is able to be used out until September of 2024. Okay, there. That's... So a solid three years. Um, and if, if things are going the way I hope that they're going, not only is it that we don't have to spend it all by September 24, but we have to have a, the plan to do that. So the okay. more that we can get into um, allocating money at, to a point in the future where, no, we don't have to ask anybody local for money for summer school, if I can get that even beyond the three years, I'm going to try to do it. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a... It's going to be a longer-term effort, and it's going to take a bit. And that, the great part is, is they really, with the with the first um, recovery plan, the ESSER one, it really was about survival mode. Get your get your mask, get your PPE, get your cleaners, get your temperature check devices, get all the stuff you need. Um, second one, kind of the same way, a lot more of the same, but this one in particular is very specific about, okay, we got you the stuff to do school. What are you going to do to make sure that the kids are learning what they need to learn and to make up for lost time? And that's truly is an, an academic and social emotional plan for the next three years of how we're going to help kids norm, get back to normal. Okay. Uh, Julie, I can never say her last name, so I'm going to say just Julie. Julie. Um, she brought up something, and I'm wondering if this is going to tie into recovery. A, it was a kind of a parent-type program. A, uh, you spoke of it, or the, it was spoke of like a homeschooling uh, interchangeable. Do you see that as a possible way of helping in recovery so that parents may be able to come to the school and say how we could use help? adding and getting those kids recovered? I think so to some extent. And, okay. And, okay. And I'll say um, really what, G, what Julie was referring to is the Mid-Columbia Partnership. That, and, okay. and the Mid-Columbia Partnership is, is run through the Kennewick School District. And it has a bunch of kids, uh, well over 700, I think. In the partnership? In, in the partnership. And these are, these are families who live in the greater Tri-City area that – prefer to homeschool. Okay. However, for one reason or another, there's a subject, there's an area, there's a thing that they really need some help with. Whether it's us providing curriculum, whether it's, or excuse me, Kennewick providing curriculum, whether it's the kids do homeschool for academics, but they show up for band and PE. Okay. Those types of things. Uh, those kids come in and they, they meet with a teacher on a science project that Maybe mom or dad can't replicate. So they are two separate. They're two separate things. Okay. I, they are. When you're talking, I was like, wonder, I just wanted, they are two different things. Yep. Uh, again, people listening, by all means, listen to this school board meeting. It, lots of information. Kind of yep. jumped to that one, but I was. it just crossed my mind there. Um, we already talked about what, you know, what does it kind of look like? Um, I'm going to jump topics pretty hard because we've got, You're we're fine. already running out of time. Yep, I get it. Um, 
there's been a lot of talk about inclusion and equity. Is that the right word? Yep. And, you know, a lot of times we hear all these different types of things, whether it's the LGBTQ, it's the race, it's this, it's that. What does inclusion and equity mean to Benton City? I think it's a great question because one of the things that I was very adamant um, at the board meeting, and I, I came back to this point several times, is Olympia and the legislature and the state government has passed requirements around equity. And I don't know if anybody out there has noticed, but Benton City does not look anything like an Olympia or, <laughs> I think we've noticed. or a Puget Sound <laughs> for a myriad of reasons. Right. Most of them are really good reasons, but <laughs> right. I mean, for a myriad of reasons. Um, the thing with, with the needs, I, because I'm a firm believer in your local needs are going to determine how you interpret uh, regulations. Okay. Um, we just, we don't have the same needs. We are impacted in many of the same ways as some other school districts around the state. We're also impacted in ways that many districts, even locally, are not impacted. And, and what, what, what I really have, as I've said on this podcast, in, in one of our first podcasts, I believe, right. if you go back to it, I mean, our discrepancies uh, in equity and those types of areas around inclusion I think are fundamentally based in poverty and socioeconomic status as much as they are based in um, any other subgroup that you want to get out there, okay. whether it's race, demographics, whatever else you is, that is. We can talk about all that stuff, but there's an overarching idea that whatever we, however we want to talk, whatever we want to do, we have to realize 70% of the kids in Benton City Schools are in poverty by federal guidelines, what does it mean to qualify for a free and reduced lunch program, your income level, so our kids, families, 70% of them can fill out a piece of paper that say we fall under the poverty level. That's, wow. And, and I guess it's, it's not to minimize any of the other populations or subgroups or any of the other demographics that you can separate people by. It's just that it's, that's a really big one. Right. And it covers all of our students of color, all of our students of need. It covers all of that because we have, we have kids of every background, ethnicity, all that stuff who are impacted equally and differently by poverty or lack of poverty. So it really, I think it has to put it through a different lens for us. Well, and during the school board, and this is why I brought it up, is... You talk about the various legislative pieces. Again, please go listen to the school board about all the different information. Um, you were talking about that, and the the word kept coming up. Yeah. Poverty. It wasn't other words. It was, we're dealing with poverty here. Mm -hmm. And the idea of having, talking about inclusion through a, po a poverty filter was really kind of uh, interesting. You mentioned making sure people had access to internet and to yeah. computers, which is, you know, that's something completely outside of any of the other topics. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Th that really is a case. That, that That's right. not just something that 
oh, well, over there it's an issue. No, right here we have cases where people don't have internet and computers. Well, I think it's important because equity in its simplest term is does everyone have access to the same opportunities, to the same things? And if you think about it, one of the bigger factors, especially for the past year and a half, if you want to access your education, you had to have internet. online. <laughs> you had to have access to a computer. We tried uh, as much as possible to get kids in need to get them that computer. Um, and, and this won't come as a shock to anybody. We weren't handing out computers to simply different ethnic groups. We were handing computers out to anyone who couldn't afford them. Right. And that is a wide gamut of ethnicities and, and, and subgroups and populations. So it, it's, it, it's two sides of the same coin in a little uh, one way of describing it, I guess. Right. Because we can, we can focus on the individual subgroups as much as we want to and, and all the federally protected classes and all that stuff. But if you're not taking a look at the overarching idea that there are many, many kids from many, many different subgroups who may not have access to something, not on the basis of one of those protected class issues, but simply because they don't have the income to afford them the opportunity to go, you know, get in and get on the bus and, and go into one of the bigger libraries if they can't make it to the Kai yeah. library. <laughs> if they can't get online at a speed that allows them to upload or download, you know, a whole textbook. Yeah, yeah. The idea yeah. that, you know, there if <laughs> if you're under five gigabytes per second of, of downloadable speed, I guess, guess what? If you're trying to download a science book, Not to, you know, it's going to take you about four, three, four days. <laughs> and there's a internet company in town that, oh my word, it was bad. <laughs> yeah. And, and we, we've kind of gotten it, and this is kind of in, in one of my wheelhouse areas, just the fact that um, I'm personally convinced if you el- eliminated the inequities that are caused by socioeconomic classification and by access because it costs money, I think you're going to eliminate some of those other access issues for a lot of different people. Okay. But... Um, that's why one of the pieces of the legislation was around. There's there's a ton of money that's going to be put out there for rural um, uh, connectivity, whether it's through hotspots or better internet infrastructure, which is going to have to happen because I mean, it doesn't help the person that's on the other other side. You know, you go out of town about a half mile and you go down in a dip of a val a little valley that right. you're not getting internet down there without somebody running a wire. Right, and here, I mean, it isn't that far to out of town and you lose cable yeah. internet and you're down to uh, yep. the phone company's internet, which, mm, I, anyway, I won't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I guess really what it is, too, is it's the idea of um, if you're a person whose answer to getting wireless is, well, I'm just going to go get a satellite dish and do the, the satellite internet. There are a lot of folks who simply don't have the means nor ability to even have that conversation. Yeah, Those are the types of inequities that I think are a bigger issue in Benton City than some of the other ones. We're, we're going to talk about them. I mean, I'm not afraid to talk about anything. Right. But at the same time, 
Um, we can do a lot of stuff piecemeal for a lot of different people one at a time, or we can try and address a bigger issue that is systemic in that it'll impact the entire system if we do it right, right. in a positive way. Yeah, and I can totally see that. It was just, you know, I, it was just in, such an amazing thing for me to go, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> this whole conversation of inclusion isn't limited to pockets. Yeah. And that was, a, that was kind of a, I, I'm not aware of that. That's something that I'm having to learn, especially, and most people know, I, I've only been out in this, doing this kind of game for the last two years. And that's been a game changer for me as far as understanding why things happen in the district. It, it, it's because yeah. we're facing a different type of issue than, well, I, I went to a 1,200 uh, class or 1,200 people, persons class in student school. It was huge. We had massive things. And I, and I didn't recognize all the things that I've noticed in the last two years here, which is there are areas where people are struggling. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so it, it's been educational in, you know, why do we have social workers at the number we do? Oh, it's because we're having to deal with the factor that there's a different nature and a different um, emotional aspect of the poverty line. Yeah. Well, and I really think too, fundamentally, um, if you're a kid right now, um, I would be hard-pressed to say that we have the quote-unquote normal kid. You know, whatever you think of <laughs> as, a, no as a normal kid, or what we think of with, in 1985, what we defined as normal is not normal anymore. So I think the biggest, the biggest uh, and maybe the simplest way is every kid's got some issues. And based on some of those, those ethnicities and the backgrounds, they may have different issues, but they've all got issues. Okay. So it isn't simply a matter of, of, of um, trying to, to address each individual issue. You know, everything is different. So let's try and hit the ones that are going to overarch, make as big a difference for everybody and lift them up and still acknowledge that some of those kids issues are just that's their issue and they've got an issue we got to try and help it right but we're also going to try and help this young man it, one of the the thing that really brought it home for me prior to the board meeting was they asked because much of the dollars many of the dollars that the federal government gave that the state government gave to ensure that our kids get back to where they need to be um, is aimed at groups of kids who have traditionally maybe not had as many opportunities. Right. And I, I really did some reflection around that, especially here in Benton City, because that's who I'm answering for. I'm not answering for the state. I'm not answering for uh, Bellingham Public Schools or anybody like that. And as I thought about it, and it's got their list, who are the kids who need additional help? Caucasian students, check. Low income, check. Hispanic, Latino, check. And I'm going down, and I, I literally checked every box. Wow. Because that's the honest truth. There isn't a kid in our system right now who doesn't need some extra help. I'm not going to divvy it up and, and, and qualify a kid to 
some kids are qualified, let's face it. Some kids are qualified to get extra help because of a learning disability or a language acquisition issue or things like that. But in the end, everybody needs some help of some sort. Even our top gifted academic kids probably aren't in the same place they were 16 months ago. Yeah, definitely, so, definitely not. I've, and I've gone on, that's <laughs> no. gone on probably more than anybody wanted to hear. It's just one of those things of, for Benton City proper, we have, we have a local issue where we simply need to meet the needs of all of our kids, and all of our kids are a little bit different, but the one thing that brings as many of them together as anything is the idea that they're in poverty. Wow. All right. Well, I actually would talk hours on this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. it's, so it's been game-changing in my own thought process, but we're out of time. <laughs> and... Yep. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, I hope people out there are getting information. Uh, real quick on it on this for those, please let people know if they have questions that they want to have answered. Mr. Peterson's available. Absolutely. And if you don't want to talk to him directly, by all means, contact me and I'll ask him the questions. I have no problems with that. I can have a lot of good fun times putting him in the on the hot spot. Uh, Make sure you get those answers before you start questioning every, accepting what's, static, what's being said out there. And with that, thank you again. Yes, thank you. Look forward to it next time.